God is characterized by a righteous winsomeness. Winsome. What a cool word that is. Fill in number four with me on your study notes. God's loving character draws. God's loving character compels and wins some people over. New Life. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments around the Word of God. Let me remind you, that's what we do on New Life Telecast. We fellowship around the Word of God. I am here, uh, hopefully not to bore you, but certainly not to entertain you, but to challenge you by the Word of God. We're just going to lay it out there and try to teach it as clearly as we know how, and I trust that God would do through His Word what He does. We're going to enter a brand new teaching tonight. It's a series, and uh, we may go on for several weeks with this. We'll just see how that turns out. It's one that we've titled, Jonah Does Jonah. Jonah does Jonah. I wonder if I'm speaking to anyone tonight. You're just doing yourself, your own thing. No concern about the Word of God or what God says or God's agenda. Or perhaps you uh, claim to have a connection with God, and yet you're doing your own thing, not following after God's will and way and purpose and plan for your life. Well, I trust you'd be challenged accordingly. We're going to read uh, just a couple of verses in your hearing, and we're going to jump right on into this. Jonah chapter, actually Jonah chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 provide the backdrop for this series, and we're going to be all through the book at some point in time. But uh, let me just read a couple of verses right now. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 2 is where I would like to go, and the record puts it this way. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Preach against it. Look at verse number 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. You go to Nineveh and preach. Jonah ran the other way. Many of you, those of you that are Bible scholars, Bible readers, you know this story. Even from vacation Bible school and Sunday school many years ago. But the applications are endless. And I trust the Lord would help us with this. Let me pray for you. Father... I thank you for each and every one that's turned on this telecast, whether they did it on purpose or just accidentally discovered us tonight, whether they're listening live or sometime later, I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you would speak to their hearts. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, let me encourage those of you that are listening later by way of YouTube. There's a little uh, logo, same logo you see up here on the wall somewhere or another. There's a little logo down in the lower corner of the screen. If you would click on that and subscribe to our channel, it would be a big help to us. We would encourage you to do that. You be blessed as we share with you, Jonah does Jonah.
Let me just tell you right off the get-go, this is going to be a series, and uh, I'm not as smart as a lot of guys. I don't know how many parts there's going to be to this. Uh, we'll just kind of fill it in as we go. I know there's going to be at least two parts to it because we're nearly there already. Jonah. What do you know about Jonah? Any of you remember any stories about Jonah? Could you tell that story? Yeah, if you've been to Sunday school or BBS or hanging around the church any time at all. Jonah, the book, is one of the most intriguing little books in all of the Bible. Only four chapters. Do you have any idea how many verses all total? You add them all up and there's 48 verses in the whole book from beginning to the end. All compiled, all of that put together to give us really a brief overview. Watch this, a brief overview of one season of the life of a man that we do not know a lot about. We really do not know much about Jonah. Who is this guy? That's kind of the question that was being asked here in these verses that we read this morning. If you go back to Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, the latter part of the verse says this, Jonah, son of Amittai. So now we know who he was. He was Amittai's boy. Can I get an amen right there? Boy, that just clears it right up, does it? Very revealing. Amittai's son. Well, I would say to you also, we don't know a lot about Amittai. So now that we know about uh, Jonah and Amittai, we still do, do not know a whole lot. Here's something we do know. Fill this in with me. Number one on your study notes. We do know Jonah's hometown, and we know his assignment from God. Assignment is a very important word in this series. So if you would, put it in the blank in all caps and bold print and italicized. Can you do that? An assignment from God. According to 2 Kings, and it's amazing as you read through the Bible, sometimes things that are left blank in one place, those blanks are filled in in another place. But in 2 Kings 14 and 25, we find out that Jonah was a prophet from gath Hefer. Now, that's probably one of the places that you've wanted to go on vacation for years, but that's where he's from. Jonah, the prophet from Gath Hefer, which, by the way, was in Zebulun. Now that we have that pinpointed, you still with me? Everybody here this morning. Now, I have this theory about the obscurity of Jonah. It's very important that you catch this. His account, these 48 brief verses, is given not to draw attention to and not to highlight who or what Jonah was, but much rather to help us see in him a little of that which resides within each of us. Does that make sense to you just a little bit? With nearly every Bible character, and this is what makes Bible reading fun, with nearly every Bible character, we can observe in the life of many of them the good things that they do, and we can seek to mimic that along our journey, right? And then similarly, quite often we can observe what I'm going to refer to as the boo-boos. We can reserve, uh, observe the boo-boos along the way of some of these characters and purpose to avoid such, thus precluding or preventing 
the ill effects of bad decisions within our own lives. How many of you know that you do not have to make all the bad decisions that there are? You don't. And we can learn from other people's bad decisions. Now, here's a question for you, and it's kind of become my modus operandi to ask you a lot of questions on Sunday morning, and I hope that you will purpose to answer these in your own heart. How many of you know that all action, somebody say all action. Yeah, I don't care who says it. All actions have consequences. Didn't your mommy teach you that a long time ago? All actions have consequences. Good actions unto blessings, in particular in the spiritual realm, and bad unto rejection and outright disapproval from the Lord. Let me jump just a little bit. One online commentator or one online source discloses the following, quote, proud, stubborn, disobedient, unfaithful, a grumbler, and altogether a bad-tempered, cantankerous old curmudgeon. This was Jonah, end quote. <laughs> wow, what a description. By the way, and I find this somewhat humorous, the Hebrew name Jonah means dove. Isn't that a scream after that description? Now, realistically, and hear me out on this, realistically, at our very core, whoever we are, whether here or out there in the live stream world somewhere or another, doesn't this description sound more familiar to us than perhaps we'd care to admit. I'm not indicting you all, but I am saying, can't the average person, the average human being, if they are honest, can't they put forth about the same behavior as Jonah, as described here? Don't we have our moments of pride? Oh, yeah, sometimes we're just proud that we're not proud. We have our moments of pride. Can't we be stubborn? Oh, I've talked to some of your husbands about that, gals. No, I'm just kidding about it. it. We can be stubborn. We're not overly fond of obedience, especially when it comes to being obedient to someone else, someone outside ourselves. Our unfaithfulness to God often outweighs our faithfulness. Beloved, you can hang around uh, a group of two or three persons for over uh, about 15 minutes and likely you're going to hear a grumble or so. Some days even I can be a little old curmudgeonly. I know you find that hard to believe. Now, let me insert a little parentheses right here. and Don't get lost in this parentheses. I shall return. And here we go, headed to number two on your study notes. I want to talk to you for just a moment about ministry calling. I've already mentioned assignment. This is connected to that. Ministry calling. And here's what I would like for you to fill in on your study notes. You are called. And if you're real brave, can you put in the blanks? I am called. Can you personalize that? Pastor Terry, what in the world are you talking about? I don't have a problem with you being called. I want my pastor to be called. But uh, this allegation that I am called, 
This inference that you're saying that I am called, I don't know so much about all of that. Well, listen to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I hope that you have your Bible. If you don't, it will magically appear on the screen. But here's what Paul says as he wrote to the church at Ephesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge, say it with me, church, you to live a life worthy of the calling you, there it is again, you have received. Now, if you underline things in your Bible, underline calling. There's a very interesting word. The original word is klesis, and it simply means an invitation. In the New Testament, it is always in reference to a divine call. It's as though God is saying here in Ephesians 4, here's what I need you to do. Will you help? I'm inviting you to help. Klesis. Well, Pastor Terry, what is it that the Lord wants us to help him with? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You're familiar with this passage. We preach on it all the time. But look at the first part of the verse, uh, verse 19. Therefore, go. Go into all the world. Go. Now, Pastor Terry, you know that that command is just for the apostles. It wasn't for us regular, ordinary people today. Hey, let me see your eyeballs just a second. Can you understand this? If that was just for the apostles then, then you would have never heard the gospel message. You'd have never heard it because a scant two generations with the great-grandchildren of those apostles, that message would have disappeared and you would have never heard it. It's ridiculous to say that this was just for the apostles. If you look in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2, you find this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, in light of this, to send out workers into his harvest field. Who is he talking to? Verse 3. Go, I am sending you. I believe he's talking to all of us. I really do believe that. Now listen, you have to admit, even for a novice, the mechanics of this invitation are not overly complex. There's about three things here. A, there's the message. Secondly, you understand that message. You have the message. You understand that message. And then you spread the message. You repeat the message. That is not very difficult. Am I right? Now, if I agree with that, you'll expect me to agree with that. Yeah. It's not very complicated. Now... That's kind of the end of that little parenthesis. I took you there to bring you back to study note number three, and it says something like this. The fundamental key to it all is a one-word sermon, and that one word is obedience. Obedience. Hang on to that, because I'm going to close that parenthesis and pick back up with this. Jonah's ministry calling. Jonah's ministry calling wasn't all that complex and difficult. Look back in our text chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. God says to him, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Announce my judgment against it. Now, really, folks, how difficult could that be? Go and announce my judgment against Nineveh. 
Now, I want you to understand this. The why adds somewhat to the difficulty, and he begins to get into that here very shortly. Note the why. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Why? Because its wickedness has come up before me. A study of the ancient city of Nineveh is fascinating, and I encourage you to do that on your own time. Google it. Take a look at it. It has quite a history. Now, I want you to understand, according to the record, the Ninevites, those who lived in Nineveh, were a violent and godless people. As a whole, I am sure that there were some exceptional and some nice Ninevites. All right? I'm just sure of that. But understand this. Speaking prophetically to one can be stressful. Have you ever had the Lord to impress upon you to speak prophetically to someone? If anybody tells you they enjoy that, I would suggest to you they need therapy. There's nothing enjoyable about that. Speaking to one prophetically is very stressful. Can you imagine speaking prophetically to a church, even a group this size this morning? It just adds to the stress. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Can you imagine being called to an entire city, say perhaps the size of Royal Oak, Virginia, or Greensboro, North Carolina. To the, we're kind of in the sandwich between those two large cities. Can you imagine going down to, to Greensboro and say, hey, y'all, listen up. I've got a word from the Lord for you, and you're not going to like this. Stressful. But let me point this out. The God of the Bible, the God, as far as I am concerned, God is patient. Did you know that? Now, some of his helpers aren't all that patient, but God is patient. God is grace-filled, gracious. God is merciful. He's full of mercy. That's who he is. He doesn't have to go to seminary and take classes on it. He is just... He is that. He's merciful. He's long-suffering. Even with, watch this church, there's a point to be made here, even with violent and godless persons, even with violent and godless cities, persons that desire less of him, they're like with God, hey God, you talk to the hand. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. God is characterized by a righteous winsomeness. Winsome. What a cool word that is. Fill in number four with me on your study notes. God's loving character draws. God's loving character compels and wins some people over. Wins people over. Now, let me take you to another one of these passages that reflects on another passage. 
The Old Testament prophet, minor prophet of Nahum, is almost exclusively taken up with the prophetic or prophetic denunciations against Nineveh. Yet, listen to what Nahum says in chapter 1 and verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger. Aren't you thankful for that? He's slow to anger and great in power, showing us some balance. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. Oh yeah, he's slow to anger, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. And clouds are the dust of his feet. If you go down to verse 7, it's a familiar passage. You may not have known where it was, but we sing about this. The Lord is good, a refuge in time of trouble. Watch this. He cares for those who... He cares for those who... He cares for those who what, Pastor Terry? For those who trust in him. God is winsome. Now, if you, I don't know whether or not you picked up on it, but the Hebrew peoples, the Jewish people, were by and large very proud of their heritage and their choice standing before Jehovah God. Many of them were of the mindset that they were so uniquely favored by the Almighty that that translated into a lifestyle of having nothing to do with people that were not like them. Now I have in my notes, pause. So I'm pausing. You didn't know I had a pause button, did you? Mind you, God is not that way. Having nothing to do with people that aren't like Him. God is not that way. But often those that claim allegiance to Him are exactly that way you know anybody like that would you just write their names on your notes and hand them to me after the service no I'm kidding listen when God called Jonah 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 when God called Jonah to go and warn the violent and godless Ninevites of their impending doom All of his pride, all of Jonah's pride as a Hebrew was really put to the test. Let me tell you why. Now, I'm reading between the lines just a little bit here, but I have read the the entirety of the little prophecy. And all this is reflected somewhat. I imagine part of Jonah was like, I detest those Ninevites. I hope and pray, now he didn't say this out loud, you know how we hope and pray some things in our mind, we hope and pray that nobody ever hears what we hope and pray. He's like, I hope and pray that God fries these goomers. You ever had any thoughts like that? I don't like them. They don't look like me. Their skin is different from mine. Their hair 
It's different from mine. They don't smell as good as I do. Do you know their address? I don't like them because of where they live. Do you know anybody like that? That's kind of what was going on with Jonah. One writer says it this way, and I quote, they were the untouchables, and that God should take an interest in them was unthinkable to Jonah. There's a real history there, and I'm not going into any more detail other than to say. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. There's more to this particular teaching, and we will look forward to sharing that with you next week. Uh, but uh, before we close tonight, and I have to get out of here pretty quickly, but let me ask you this. Have you strayed away from the Lord? Has He been calling to you? You felt that tug on your heart? It's hard to explain that, but that's a great way to say it. It's like flying a kite. You kind of feel that tug on the string. Has God been speaking to your heart? And instead of responding to Him, you've pulled back. You've went in another direction. Can I encourage you right now not to pull back? God has this loving, winsome character that draws people to Himself. I trust that you would purpose to allow Him to draw you to Himself. In other words, that you would yield to that drawing. You know, it's very easy for someone to show us affection, for someone to show us some concern or care, and we just kind of push back on that. Even in the physical realm, the human realm, it's really easy also to do that with God. In particular, if He is calling on you to go in a direction that you do not particularly care to go. But God's winsome character just draws us in. That's what I love about the Bible, the Word of God. That's what I love about God. And many people paint God in these broad strokes of being this mean old dude that's out to get all of us. Well, He is out to get us, but not in a bad way, in a good way. He loves us. The Bible tells us, For God so loved the world. And that's not talking about the, the dirt, the planet uh, the, that we know is earth. It's talking about the inhabitants of the world, the individuals that make up the population of the world. That don't, not only includes me, but it includes you too. How can I say that with confidence? Because that's what the Word says. That's what the Bible says, John 3 and 16. Most of you know that very well. Be encouraged to respond to God's wooing, His drawing, His winsome character. Father, I pray for each one listening in right now, and I pray by the power of Your Word and the power of the Spirit that You would draw men and women and boys and girls unto Yourself. Father, I pray for that one in particular that You've really been dealing with, and they're so close to really establishing a relationship with You. I pray that right now, tonight, this day, would be the time where they make that eternal decision. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want to be an encouragement to you. If you are not connected with a church fellowship, you need to be. Let me do that one more time. If you're not connected to a church fellowship, you need to be. None of this long ranger, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So I want to encourage you to be, be connected to a church. If you're not connected otherwise, New Life has a regular schedule of activities. You see it right there on the screen Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And check this out. We also have midweek activities. 
we just can't get enough of the church. So we meet on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Something for every member of the family. Our KFC, Kids for Christ, meets on Wednesday night. They have a great time together. Our ES5 youth meet, and the adults meet in CNC or Care and Compassion groups right here on campus each and every Wednesday night. Well, my time is completely gone. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?